0: Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. joy that we can gather like this to worship God together, to give even a shout of praise to Him. I really do pray that this morning that God would really do a great work in our midst, even as we now continue to worship Him through the preaching of His Word. So today we are going to be spectators in the arena of the power of God on display. This morning we will behold His wondrous work. But my question this morning is is your theology of the omnipotence of God match your response in reality to adversity? Is your understanding that God is all-powerful, that God is so compassionate, seen in you seeking after Him in your moments of trouble? So does your theology that God is omnipotent, does it match in reality that you are seeking Him in moments of trouble? But then, when you seek Jesus in your moments of trouble, are you seeking Him in confidence? Is the actual confidence that He is actually able to help us in our time of need, or are we simply trying our luck? With Jesus. Do you remember this advert? Do you remember the ad? The 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 ad suggested that this pilot who had crashed the plane in the desert, he needed camphor to survive in the desert more than he needed the water. So he abandons the water and he uses his last strength to get the camphor. So the question this morning is: When you are discouraged, when you are in trouble. Do you use your lost energy, do you use all your strength to grab what the world offers or what you believe to be the felt need? In that case, the felt need was water, but the advert is saying that the real need was the camphor. When you are discouraged, when you are in need, is the first thing that you grab what the world has to offer, or do you give all your strength to trusting in Jesus? Do you give all your strength in seeking to hear from Him? Do you give all your strength in looking to Him in faith? Is that your response this morning? So we find ourselves in Luke chapter 5, and we'll start reading from verse 17. So, won't you turn with me to Luke chapter 5 and we'll start our reading from verse 17? Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. If you're there, won't you say Amen? I was actually checking that you were there. So, from verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down with his bed through the tiles into the mist before Jesus. Verse 20, and when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Verse 25, and immediately he rose up before them, picked He rose up before them and picked up what he had been laying on and went home, glorifying God. And and amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Let's pray together. There's a similar setting that is happening here this morning, Lord. We have many who have gathered to sit and to, li- and to listen to teaching from your word. But God, I pray that as we sit and listen, that God will be those who sit and listen in faith. Those who sit and listen with the acknowledgement that these are words from God, with the acknowledgement that the Spirit of God is at work in our hearts to help us not only understand these truths, but to apply them in our lives. God, I don't speak as one who claims to know it all. I I don't speak even on an authority of my own, but God, I speak as one who's been sent by you. And Lord, I pray as I speak and I preach here this morning, that it would be your spirit who speaks through me. I do pray that I wouldn't preach for my own fame, that I wouldn't preach to lift up my own name, but I pray that it would be the name of Jesus who would be magnified. I, I pray that we would leave as those who glorify God here this morning, saying, we have seen amazing things here this morning. The Lord was at work in our midst. So God, I even pray that if there's one here this morning who, who hasn't received the forgiveness of God for their sins, I pray that this morning as I speak, that you would continue to soften their hearts, that you would plant that seed in their hearts and you would bring about fruit of righteousness and salvation from that seed. That as they leave here this morning, they would leave here as one who was once dead but now has been brought alive again to the glory of God. But I also pray for those, those who have gathered here with heavy hearts. Those who are sitting here, Lord, who who need, who need your healing. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reveal to them this morning as we sit in this arena beholding the power of God on display. I pray that you would encourage them that the God that they believe in is in fact almighty. He is in fact all powerful. And he cares. So won't you speak to us in a special way this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, we find this ministry of Jesus, of healing the paralytic man, in all these synoptic gospels. We find it in Matthew chapter 9. We find it in Luke chapter 2, oh, Luke chapter 5. But we also find it in Mark chapter 2. So what I've done is I've picked up from the other synoptics what Luke doesn't mention so to fill in the blanks of our story here this morning. But what I want us to see in the beginning is the setting. Consider with me the setting. See verse 17. It says, And one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees, uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. So the first setting is the home Many commentators suggest that Capernaum had become Jesus' second home. Capernaum was the place where Peter had stayed, so it is safe to assume that Jesus spent a lot of time with Peter and Peter's family. Now in this instance, Jesus was sitting in Capernaum, probably with his disciples. They were enjoying fellowship together when a knock on the door happened. And when that knock happened, the door opened, and all he started to see were crowds of people were coming. What was happening in the house in this instance it was almost like a mini-conference. It seems as though there was a convention that was happening in this home at Capernaum. Now whilst all these guys had gathered together, Jesus did what he always does. He begins to teach. Mark says of this specific setting, he says, Jesus was speaking the word. Clearly, Jesus was preaching. He was teaching the word of God. In fact, this was Jesus' focus. Jesus' focus was not to feed the 5,000. Jesus' focus was not to heal the sick. Jesus' focus was to teach the oracles of God to all who had ears to hear the master teacher in the setting was teaching the religious teachers who thought and behaved as though they had mastered the law then we have the audience who were these travelers well, Mark notes that there were many who were gathered there. The room, there was no more room in the house, not even at the door. This was a sold-out venue. The main audience in this room, as I've already said, were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But who were these guys? These were the opponents of Jesus. Now, can you imagine A room full of people sitting and staring at you, listening to what you are saying with critical and skeptical ears. A commentator rightly questions and comments. He says, why are these Jewish leaders suddenly having a convention in Capernaum? This was their response to the first messianic miracle. They knew that Jesus had healed the leper in the passage before the one that we're in here this, this morning. And according to their own teachings, only the Messiah would be able to heal the leper. And if he healed the leper, it could very well mean that he was the Messiah. So they all came to investigate him. So I did a bit of research And it says that they had come from every village of Galilee, Judea, and even from Jerusalem. Friends, this was not a short journey. We're talking, some had traveled 40 kilometers because in ancient Israel there was a path route. But that 40 kilometers right now is over 100 kilometers. People had traveled for over 100 kilometers to listen to Jesus speaking, but only because they wanted to call him out for for blasphemy not because they wanted their hearts to be changed. So who was the audience? The Pharisees and teachers who had traveled a long way to investigate this Jesus and call him out for blasphemy. But part of the audience, we then also have the five. Listen from verse 18. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down with his bed through the tiles into the mist before Jesus." Whilst Jesus is sitting and teaching at this convention, four men come up with a plan to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. All they knew was that Jesus was in town and that Jesus was the only one who could heal their friend. These men were so persuaded that Jesus was compassionate, that Jesus was able to heal their friend, that the operation was clear. Get to Jesus at all costs. But there were obstacles along the way. As they got close to where Jesus was, they realized the room was full. There is no access to Jesus. For a moment, I want you to imagine yourself as that man who is lying helpless on the spade as your four friends are carrying you. The man lying there who sees that the man who can help him is seemingly unreachable. Is this where you are this, here this morning? Have you gathered here this morning feeling as though you know that Jesus is able to help you, but you feel as though Jesus is unreachable? So maybe you've given up maybe you have lost hope maybe you are lying on your figurative bed lame church this was not an obstacle for the four men this was not an obstacle for the men who carried the paralyzed man, for they proved their determination and faith as they devised the plan to get the paralytic man to Jesus. Remember the operation, get to Jesus at all costs. We must get to Jesus, for he is able and he is willing to help us. So they planned that, hey, let's go onto the roof. When we get onto the roof, let's remove the tiles. We will lower the men down into the room, and he will lie there before Jesus. And as he lies there before Jesus, surely Jesus will help him. Now picture the room. Jesus is teaching His opponents are listening carefully for that moment to say, aha, you blasphemer. And then as they're listening to Jesus teach, no opportunity is coming. And then all of a sudden there's commotion on the roof. Straw is falling on their laps. Dust is almost blinding their eyes. And as they looked up, there's a hole. This hole keeps getting bigger and bigger in the roof. Now we know the Pharisees, if you've read the Gospels, we know the Pharisees are those who have hardened hearts, so they could have been sitting there with irritation and frustration as they watched this man being lowered from the roof before their eyes. You can almost imagine, in frustration and probable confusion, they may have asked themselves, why are these men so determined to get to this blasphemer? Why are these men so determined to interrupt our conference? How dare they? Why are they so convinced that they must get their friend to Jesus? Spurgeon speaks of the quality of the men who carried the paralyzed friend to Jesus. He says, the quality of of those men is they need to be men who, they need to be strong for the burden is heavy. They need to be resolute, for the work will try their faith. They need to be prayerful, for otherwise they labor in vain. They must be believing, or they will be utterly useless. Where are men and women of such faith here this morning? Where are men and women of such faith today? Do you have such faith in Jesus and his word that you will do everything in your power to bring yourself and those around you to Jesus? Do you believe, like these men, that Jesus is the only one who has the ability to help you? Or do you believe that there is something or someone else that can help you and maybe you only come to Jesus after you've tried everything else and Jesus is your last resort? I asked the question in the beginning and I'm going to ask it now. Is your theology or your understanding of the omnipotent sovereignty of God seen in how you respond to hardship? So we've seen the audience, it was the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law, we've seen the audience, it was the five, but there's a third audience that I want to introduce and it's the audience in this room, the audience in the room here this morning. Even as we have gathered here this morning, it is safe to assume that there are those who are currently listening to me speak with ears like the Pharisees. They have skeptic ears and skeptic hearts. It is true that there may be some here this morning who are listening in anticipation for another reason to reject Jesus. There are those who may be sitting here for another reason to reject God and to reject his Bible. Or maybe there are those who are sitting here who are just distracted by the speaker and they are looking for a reason to oppose his words. I don't know. But what I am trying to say and what I am pointing out is that there are those who are sitting here with skeptic hearts toward Jesus and they still claim to be believers. But there are also those who are gathered here this morning who are just simply looking for Jesus. They have gathered here this morning to hear what God has prepared for them through his word. There are others who are sitting among us here this morning who are searching, who are hurting, who are longing to hear or even receive a touch from Jesus because they are in great need. Friends, I want to assure you, it is is by no mistake that you are here this morning. God, by His Spirit, and praise God through His providence, He allowed you to be at the right place at the right time. God will speak to His people through His Word, by the ministry of His Spirit. He has assured us that His Word will not return void. It will accomplish its will and its purpose. So this morning, what is it that I really want us to see about God? What is it that I want us to leave here encouraged about God? What is it that I want to highlight from this passage? It is the power of God on display. It's my second, in fact, my it should be my only point. The power of God on display. Firstly, the power of God to forgive sins. See verse 21, 20 and 21. And when he saw their faith, he said. Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees begin to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Christ, being the master teacher, he puts things back into order. The man had come to Jesus for physical healing, but Jesus, seeing his faith, says, Man, your sins are forgiven you. He begins with removing the cause of the disease. At the same time, he reminds the paralytic man here this mo- and us here this morning of the origin of the disease. The reason why he needed healing was because sin was in the world. The reason why we are plagued by sickness and disease this morning is because of the presence of sin. And Jesus reminds us in this passage that the paralytic's real need was the forgiveness of his sins even over the physical healing he would receive. The Pharisees, observing all of this, Show, show us how it is true that you can have truth in your head, but not in your heart. You can almost hear them yell in their hearts, Aha! We got you! You blasphemer! How dare you claim to forgive sins? It's without a shadow of doubt that their eagerness to slander drove them to this wicked conclusion. They began to question who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Man, these guys were spot on in their theology, but they were dead in their faith. They knew that only God could forgive sins, and yet they missed the fact that God was right before them. I love the words of the psalmist in Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Friends, every blessing we have in Christ comes from faith. Every blessing we have stems from the fact that we have faith in Christ and our sins have been forgiven. In faith, we have the redemption through his blood. In Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins. We have a right standing before God. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. We have the right to be called the children of God as we have received adoption as sons. And church, he has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus because our sins have been forgiven. So by faith in Jesus, we have the forgiveness of our sins and praise God, blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. The second display of the power of God is the power of God to see the thoughts and the intents of man, See 22 and 23. It says, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Why is it easier, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? Church, Jesus sees all things. There is nothing that can be hidden from his sight. Jesus saw saw the faith of the man who sought healing and forgiveness and forgave him of his sins. He also saw the thoughts of the scribes and the Pharisees. He saw that they were questioning in their hearts. But also Jesus sees this morning the state of our own hearts. So the question is, as God scans through your heart here this morning, what will he see? What does God see as you sit there and listen to his word? What will he find? What are those wicked thoughts that you have harbored in your heart and in your mind? What is that evil that you have now deemed as good? Will he find faith? Will Jesus find faith in your heart as he searches it? Or will he find the very evil that filled the hearts of the hypocritical teachers of the law of God? Matthew helps us to understand this questioning. In Matthew 9, again, Synoptic Gospels, same story. He says, why do you think evil in your hearts? You see, the Pharisees were so blinded that they were willing to reject the messianic sign in the healing of the leper because they had already set their ways of calling Jesus a blasphemer. They already set in their ways of charging him with blasphemy. And so they asked Jesus the question. Well, Jesus asked them the question, which is easier? Is it easy to say, your sins are forgiven? In some ways, you might answer the question yes, because that's an internal thing. But Jesus knows who he's speaking to. He's speaking to the Pharisees, and he asked them, Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk? Well, knowing the Pharisees who we are talking about, they probably had thought in their minds that the healing of the paralytic man was more difficult, but because these guys were so fixated on the external. And in fact, it is true that it was impossible. It had to be an act of God. Healing a paralyzed man could only happen by the intervention of God. So whoever could heal the paralytic man could forgive sins because both are an act of God. And only God can forgive sins. And so to show the Pharisees that he was indeed God, God heals the paralytic man so thirdly see the power of god to heal verses 24 to 26 but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the man who was paralyzed i say to you rise pick up your bed and go home And immediately he rose before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Friends, don't miss it. The healing of this man was coupled with eternal purpose. Don't miss it. The healing of this man was coupled with eternal purpose. Christ intended to heal this man, but the healing of this man had a purpose. And that purpose was that the authority of Christ would be made manifest. His power to forgive sins was made manifest. And God would be glorified. So God doesn't heal us so that we can just enjoy earth longer. Even healing today is coupled with eternal purpose. So friends, I want to encourage you. Christ still has the power to heal. He has the desire to heal. But he's always working that that eternal purposes of God might be made manifest. So yes, we've seen how it's done wrong. We've seen in churches where this is done wrong and sometimes we are even skeptical because we've even seen the effects of sin in death that maybe we actually doubt that Christ can even heal. But friends, I want to say it. He is able to heal. He is able to heal. But remember... All of life on earth as a believer is to grow in our sanctification so that God will often use the classroom of adversity to strip us of our pride. He will remind us of our frailty and our dependence on Christ. Spurgeon calls it blessed affliction. He says, blessed affliction. It has brought us to the mercy seat. It has given life to prayer. It has enkindled love. It has strengthened faith. It has brought Christ into the furnace with us. It has brought us out of the furnace to live with Christ more joyously than ever before. So friends, yes, God hears you when you cry for help. He sees you in your affliction. He is with you in the fiery furnace of sickness and need. So rest assured that God is at work. He is working in your life. And even if the outcome is not directly what you wanted, that does not equal that God is not at work. What is he working on? He is working on what is of primary importance, the state of your soul. So friends, if he heals you, it will be to the benefit of your soul and your sanctification. If he doesn't heal you, it will be to the benefit of your soul and your sanctification. If he calls you home, praise be to God, it will be the completion of your sanctification and you will behold your Savior face to face. Everything is for the sake of our sanctification. If it wasn't, when you were justified, you should be at home. So friends, when he does call us home, praise God, you'll be free from the presence of sin. You'll be free from the presence of sin and all its leftovers, the the leftovers of sickness, of disease, of heartbreak, of infidelity, of crime, of slander, of abuse, and yes, even load (laughs) shedding. So church, I want to propose here this morning that this must be the pattern of your prayers. Even as you pray, consider the order as Christ worked here in this passage. Even as you pray, pray first that your soul may be strengthened in your moment of physical weakness. And then, yes, pray in faith to God who is able to help you. Pray in faith to God who desires to help you. So I must close. So I want to close with a few points of application. Number one, forgiveness of sins is only granted to those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus saw his faith and said to the man, your sins are forgiven. So this morning, Do you have faith in Jesus? Not Jesus plus Amagrosi, not Jesus plus your own religious works. Do you have faith in Christ and in Christ alone? As I was praying and preparing some more last night, the words of the song came to my mind. I'm forgiven because he was forsaken. I'm accepted because he was condemned. I'm alive and well. His spirit is within me because he died and rose again. Secondly, what effort are you currently doing to bring others to Jesus? Is the effort that you are putting in equal to your theology that God is able to save sinners? Is it equal to your theology that only God can help those who are in need? Is your effort directly proportional, ooh, some math, to your theology? Are you persuaded that Jesus is indeed The answer to all of this world's problems is the scene in the urgency you have in bringing others to Jesus. And lastly, do you actually believe that Jesus is all-powerful? Do you believe that Jesus is powerful to forgive of sin? Which he does. But do you also believe that Jesus is also able to heal you and meet you at your point of need? Won't you turn back to Jesus this morning? If you've missed everything that I've said, remember the mission of the the four men and the one who was lying on the bed. The mission is clear. Get to Jesus at all costs. So, throw away and burn those self-help books. Turn away from worldly philosophies and ideologies. Leave that nonsensical TikTok theology and come to Jesus. Meet with Jesus through his word. Meet with Jesus through prayer. Ask the spirit to show all the times Jesus pulled through for you and ask him to again strike you with awe that you can respond as the men did who watched this this paralytic man jump and he was healed. They glorified God. So ask God to strike you with awe that you can again say, I have seen him do extraordinary things. If you don't believe he is able to do extraordinary things, go look in the mirror. You don't deserve his grace, and yet he saved you. That is an extraordinary thing that only God can do. So to close, John Newton wrote a hymn, and the words sing as thus. Thou art coming to a king. As you pray, remember this. You are coming to a king. So large petitions with you bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. None can ever ask too much. Let's pray. Lord we we do pray this morning that you would give us a deeper trust. We pray this morning that we may lose ourselves and find ourselves in you. Find ourselves in you, Lord, the the ground of our rest, the spring of our very being. Lord Jesus, this morning we pray that you would give us a deeper knowledge of yourself as Savior. Give us a deeper knowledge of yourself as our master, as our Lord, as our King. God, give us deeper power in private prayer. Give us more sweetness in your word. Give us more steadfast grip of its truth. Oh Lord, won't you soften the hearts of even the skeptics here this morning? Won't you draw them to yourself, all who have rejected you, oh God? Won't you save them from their sins to righteousness? God, I do pray, won't you show them and won't you show us Christ? Finally, God, I pray, acknowledging that, God, you are the strength of the weak. There are those here this morning who are weak. There are those here this morning who are in need of comfort. So God, I pray that you'd remind them that God, you are the strength of the weak. You are the comfort to the sufferer. Oh Lord, won't you be merciful? Be merciful to hear our prayers and answer them, won't you, oh gracious Lord? Lord, grant to your children the help of your power that their sickness may be turned to health, that their sorrow be turned to joy, that the despondent, depressed, and the anxious might find rest in you, that, Lord, even the grieving here this morning might find hope in Jesus. Lord, may the operation be clear in our own minds. Get to Jesus at all costs. May this be true of us. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.